Hello everyone, Pastor Marco here. Just want to welcome you to our podcast. We're glad to be able to share God's word with you. Want to let you know that we have a brand new website, newlifesouthcoast.com. It's a great place to stay connected and involved in the life of the church. Listen, if you live in the area, come check out one of our Sunday morning services, 9.30 or 11.30. It's a powerful time, and we also have kids' ministry for all ages. I believe this message is going to encourage you and challenge you today, but also make sure you share it with a friend who needs to hear the Word of God. Blessings. Last few weeks, we've been talking about made to relate, how God created us to have relationships and, uh, and we've taken a journey over the last few weeks exploring the different levels of relationship and starting with being single and what does that look like to do it the way God intended for us to be. And also we talked about marriage lessons, learning from being married by doing it the way God intended for us, learning from the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. Last week we talked about going the distance. God wants us to go the distance with him but what, also with each other. And that uh, our relationships are meant to produce a legacy. You know, so last week we saw a couple that's been married for 42 years with six children and walking with Jesus. It's an awesome thing. I believe that's the goal. Hashtag goals. Um, and then today uh, we, we're going to talk about a very important part of relationships. We're gonna, we have to talk about sex. Okay. Um, and when I say that, you know, <laughs> you know people get weird. And so, um, and so I want to make a disclaimer right off the bat that um, this message is one of those that there's going to be some, some bumpy moments. There's going to be some uncomfortable moments. But uh, I want you to know all of it is to bless us, is to edify us, is to make us more like the people that God created us to be Amen. and less like the people that live in darkness. Yeah. See, we all, there's a saying that every they say every sinner has a past and every saint has a future, you know. And so when I talk about these things, it's going to bring up maybe some, 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 some past issues or, or whatnot. But all of it is done through grace. All of it is done through truth and compassion and love. And I, I always like to say we're not there yet, but we're on our way, right? We're all a work in progress. And so, um, and so this is your captain speaking. This flight will be bumpy at times. But buckle your seatbelts. Keep it buckled. Don't be tempted to go to the bathroom during this flight. It's one of those flights you just want to be buckled the whole way till we make it to the other side. And when we get there, I will let you know. Over and out. I was practicing that. I was trying to figure out how that's going to go around. You know. Y'all don't understand how hard it is to do this 52 times a year, okay? Come up with fresh material to keep you guys entertained and, and not bored and not, you know. It's not easy. It's not easy. All you have to do is sit there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so here we go. Oh, I already lost one. I haven't even started yet. Yeah. All right. First Corinthians chapter six. But I want to read to you from my message translation this morning. 
And, and it's going to sound a little different because the message translation is a paraphrase of the Bible. Okay? But if you go home and read 1 Corinthians, you, you get exactly what we're talking about. But I want you to just listen to this and, and you can follow it up here on a big giant Bible. But look what the Bible says about this topic. It says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. Leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. There's a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-model love for becoming one with one another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God has paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece, piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Can you say amen? You know, from time to time, I like to remind people that the Bible is a collection of books. It's not one book. It's 66 books written over 15 centuries by 40 different authors in a specific time. So what you just read was, was, was written for specific people in a specific time. So when you see Corinthians, it's talking about a city named Corinth, which is modern-day Greece. The Apostle Paul, the man that wrote this book, some of these books, he wrote 85% of the New Testament books. God called him and gave him a specific calling. He says, I want you to go into these areas and preach the gospel. And when people get saved, I want you to plant churches in their cities, right? And I want you to follow up with them. And remember, back in those days, that's the only media they had was letters. And sometimes these letters would take weeks and months to get to because they didn't have the luxury of airplanes and, 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 and cars and so forth. And so when you see uh, something being written like this, it wasn't written in a galaxy far, far away. It was written in real time to real people in a real place, right? And this particular place uh, was, was a, a, a very what they call a metropolitan city. It was, it was a, actually ahead of his time. It was a very progressive city. And, um, and there were some interesting things going on in the city where Paul went to plant this church and people were getting saved. And now his goal is, okay, now how do you live the new normal? Okay. Because once you get saved, you're exposed to God's will and God's purpose. And so the, the letters is to encourage, to push, to challenge them to live now according to God's will. What's interesting is, in my research, I found out that Corinth was actually a port city, which is very similar to where we are. You know, this is a port city, right? Very progressive, very liberal. Uh, they had uh, an athletic game in Corinth that said it was second only to the Olympics. Okay, very famous place. Uh, some of the things that you see in this place was they had an outdoor theater that set 20,000 people. Um, and... Um, and I found this to be very interesting that this was one of the first places in the first century 
that knew how to cool drinks. Because when you're in a port city, there's a lot of turning up that goes on. Okay. So they had taverns that were equipped with underground system for cooling drinks. And they said they were the first cities to do that. Right? And, uh, and, and because it was a Greek city, they were highly influenced by Greek mythology and all the different Greek gods. And one of the, one of the things that you would see throughout the city was temples. All kinds of temples, all kinds of shrines to worship different gods, to worship different deity that they believed in. And one of them was the god... Aphrodite, which was the Greek goddess, which they call the god of lo- lo- romance and the god of love. And one of the things that would happen in those temples was you would have over a thousand prostitutes that were available for people to just have sexual orgies in the name of spirituality. So this is the city that Paul is talking about. People are coming out of this lifestyles. And Paul is saying, now, wait, there's a new normal. Uh, you are the temple now of the Holy Spirit. Right? And God has a plan even for your sexuality. They had a saying in that, in that city that food is for the stomach, which meant if I have a physical urge, I should fulfill it. You know? And so Paul was saying, wait a minute. Now, you're, you're more than a sum of your urges. You, you, you are more than physical. You are emotional and you're also spiritual and so you can't approach your life the way you used to before because now you have a new revelation a new understanding of what the purpose is for each thing that you were created for including your sexuality are you following so far so basically what paul is doing here is challenging something that is still need to be challenged today is how do we view sexuality Right? Because the, the approach that they had is the approach that we, a lot of people have today in our society, which is basically the animal approach to sexuality. Right? The animal kingdom, sexuality is just pure biology. Right? It's all about mating to reproduce. You know? And uh, there's no feelings involved. You don't hear a dog going, you're not talking to me enough. You would never hear a cat say, hey, I want to express my feelings more to you. You know, you don't find, you know, small groups with cows talking about the five love languages because they weren't created that way. They were created to just mate and reproduce. And the sad reality is a lot of our sex education only talks to our kids on this level. Isn't it sad that our sex ed say things like, they can't help it. They have no choice. So we might as well help them be sexually active. Now, how irresponsible is it for a 12-year-old to know how to maneuver through the hormones that he or she is going through? And here we are encouraging them to do something that perhaps is not the most healthiest thing in the world. And then we wonder why our children are all messed up. We wonder why an entire society is struggling. And to make it better worst, those who abstain get made fun of. Isn't it interesting? We live in a society where if you say, I'm, I'm saving myself, you are an idiot. You're a loner. Something is wrong with you. 
But if that kid was to reverse that on the other ones, he would be called judgmental. If the kid that is abstaining says, you are squandering a great gift that God has given you, automatically that kid will be called judgmental, condemning. Isn't it interesting? In a society where the normal is really abnormal, and the abnormal is not normal. Right? This is what the challenge it is to be a Christian in a society that wants you to be an animal. We weren't created to be animals. We were created to be higher than animals. We were created to have a greater perspective. And just to add that it takes way more self-control to abstain. So this is no easy task. Matter of fact, what God calls us to do is no easy task, right? But then there's the other extreme because unfortunately when it comes to certain topics, we have extremes. Some people think we're animals, but then some people think we're angels, but we weren't created to be animals nor angels. We're higher than animals, lower than angels. What do I mean by that? Well, the other extreme is to never talk about it. It's to kind of hide it, right? And, and, and we tell our kids, don't do it, and then get married and do it. But what happens with all the feelings, the emotions, the hormones? Like, how do we process through all of the things that's happening through our bodies? Because we were created to be sexual beings. And when we repress it, it's also harmful. Are you following? So denying sexuality is also not healthy. We need to talk about it. Here's the thing, parents. If you don't talk about it, someone will. will. Someone else will. If you don't walk them through it, someone else will gladly walk them through it because we live in a society that pushes it like it's the greatest gospel in the world. And so we need to talk about it. The church needs to talk about it. Parents need to talk about it. It's important that we embrace how God created us, but then maneuver through it. Learn to talk through it because it's normal. It's part of who we were created to be. So we're not animals. We're not angels. We're human beings. And as human beings, the Bible tells us from the beginning that God created us male and female. Right? From the beginning. The first, listen, the first moment in scriptures that you hear the word sex is right in Genesis. He said, listen, I'll create you male and female. This is why they will leave their home. They will, they will become one. And the word become one there is a sexual unity. A sexual union. You see how powerful that is? So basically, if you were to put an explanation on sex according to God's will, this is what it looks like right here. Sex is the ultimate act of commitment, intimacy, bond, romance, and reproduction. That's the ultimate act. It's the only thing that you do with someone that you will never get back. That's why it's so sacred. That's why it's so powerful. There's no such thing as a casual sex. Every sex comes with the consequence of repercussion. I like to remind people that when God told Adam and Eve, listen, if you disobey me, you will die. And, and they disobeyed. And the enemy said, you're not going to die. Well, the truth is they didn't die physically then, but they died emotionally and spiritually. And so a lot of times people don't realize that when you pluck a rose... When you pluck a rose and you give it to someone, that rose looks beautiful, right? But check on that rose again in a few weeks. Eventually, the rose 
dies when it's not connected to the source. Right? And so when, when, when we live in a society that just says, yeah, go for it, do whatever, we don't realize that, wait, that was just the initial act. You got to check back six weeks from now. You got to check back six months from now. You got to check back a year from now to see if he really didn't die. Are you following? So God invented sex. He created it. He's for it. Out of the 66 books in the Bible, there's a book specifically about romance between a woman and a man called Songs of Songs. It might become your favorite book to read after this today. You're like, that's in the Bible? Yeah, it is. To show you that this is God's idea. It's not weird. It's not crazy. It's just that everything that God creates has a purpose and a plan. And anything outside of it becomes something less than what we wanted it to be in the first place. So why marriage, you say? Well, because it's the best scenario for commitment, for protection, for God's blessing and God's approval. One of my favorite Christian writers, Philip Yancey, puts it this way. And I love the way he kind of explains this. He said this about marriage. He says, confining sex to marriage does not guarantee that we will realize anything beyond physical gratification in our sex lives. It may, however, create an environment of safety, intimacy, and trust where the true meaning of sex, the sacramental meaning, may at times break through. Marriage provides the security we need to experience sex without restraint, apart from guilt, danger, or deceit. So it's God's way of protecting something that is powerful, that's meant to be a blessing in your life. That's meant to bless you and your spouse and your children and your legacy. Can you say amen? Let me just take a moment and remind us of the reality of sex outside of God's will. We see it every day. I call it a weapon of mass destruction. Well, we can talk about bombs being dropped, but I think one of the greatest destruction is in this category that's been done outside of God's will. Can I just remind you, we already know this, outside of God's will, we see terrible consequences like broken hearts, teen pregnancy, single parents, broken homes, Loneliness and despair, mistrust, pornography, STDs, sex trafficking and abuse, and the worst, false intimacy. We just did the walk for human trafficking, and people in the industry told us that pornography is one of the greatest outlet to trafficking. They say pornography is almost like a gateway drug into prostitution and trafficking because it starts there but doesn't stay there. And what is pornography? It's a false sense of intimacy that God had in place for us in the first place. And we live in a society where that's completely normal, that you don't have to go anywhere. You can just grab your phone and be fed lies and never be fully satisfied in that category. I remember one time a woman, married woman, Caught her husband watching porn and she called me for counseling and said, this is the hardest thing to, for someone to, to ask you is, does that mean he doesn't love me? And so I have to encourage her and strengthen her to say, no, it's not that he doesn't love you. I believe he does love you, but he's, but he's wrapped up in a false sense of intimacy 
that's only going to affect him, but also you. And your lives are never going to be fully satisfied if there's always this cheap outlet on the side. I know, I know, I know. But that's the reality. That we wouldn't have human sex trafficking if it wasn't for the gateway of porn. That that's, that's the world we live in. That I don't know if you understand this. It's one of the biggest industries in our nation. And that's normal. That's normal to think that the guy that created Playboy was celebrated the other day. Isn't it interesting? When you die, you are amazing. It doesn't matter what you did in life. The moment you die, you are an amazing person. You, Hefner, was amazing for what? For elevating that we're animals. And then we're surprised by Weinstein and everything that he's doing in Hollywood. But we don't realize that the entire industry is fueled by porn. Why do you think that every movie you watch, every show that you watch, sex is just casual? And marriage gets made fun of. Isn't that interesting? Again, I'm not saying those things to condemn. I'm just, I'm just trying to expose the lies that our society is filled with. And then they call you judgmental and condemning for want to live life the way God intended. See, the Bible has a lot to say about sex. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And I want to show you from scriptures some things that we need to consider in this area. I'm going to start with Jesus. In Matthew 5, Jesus said this powerful stuff. Jesus said, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye causes you to lust, gouge it out. Throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. People say, I don't talk about hell enough. See how intense that is. He goes on. And if your hand, even, even your stronger hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus equates lust with hell. Now notice that he gets to the heart of the matter. Jesus never talks about the act. He talks about the heart. If you look at a woman lustfully saying like, what is the condition of your heart? He goes on to say, your eyes are the windows to your soul. If your eyes are dark, your whole soul is going to be dark. Are you following? And so the extreme cut your hand off. What he's saying is, he's saying, listen, you better do something about What's making your heart damped? Or your hand. You know what your hand there is talking about? He's talking about physical abuse. He say, if you raise your hand, you better cut it off because that thing will lead you to hell if you don't repent. See how serious he takes this? And you're like, man, why is it so extreme? Because God talks like a heavenly father. If you're a father, you will look upon differently because that's someone's daughter. That's someone's sister. That's someone significant other. That's why it's so strong. If you're a father, 
If you hear that someone lay hands on your kid, you are going to lose it. You understand? That's a heavenly father saying, if it, listen, you use your eyes the wrong way. And you, you're going to go to hell if you don't repent. The good news is there's, there's forgiveness, there's restoration, there's repentance. But if you stay in that lifestyle, that's going to be the outcome. That's why I don't talk much about hell. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to, to, to say that some people, if they stay in a specific lifestyle without repenting, without turning to God, that's going to be the outcome. And let me just say one more thing about that. If someone was never interested in God on this earth, what makes you think they're going to be interested in God in heaven? I'm just trying to dispute some of the false things we think. Everybody dies, they go to heaven. You happen to die, oh, he's an amazing person. No, if you happen to didn't repent, most likely he's not with God. And I don't know his heart, so I'm not going to say where he is. That's God's. All I can tell you is this is what God says about the reality of living unrepented lives. Thinking that is innocent. There's no innocence when someone else's life is being exploited. So this is not innocent, young person on Instagram. It's not innocent. It's affecting your soul. And you're cheapening someone that God created in his image and likeness. So this is serious. Ephesians is another city in the Greek culture that Paul was speaking to. He said this to them. He said, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any other kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Now remember, we're talking about God's normal. Okay. If you're not a Christian yet, then this doesn't apply. But we're talking to people who are saying, I want to do God's normal. I want to live according to God's will and purpose for my life. He said, not even a hint. That's powerful because what do we usually say in our society? Our society is always about how far is too far. God says, if you're asking that, you already went too far. Not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. He goes on in Corinthians again. Let me bring you back to Corinthians. Paul says this. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greed, greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. Guys, this is strong stuff. Some of you were, this is important, were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So thank God that there's forgiveness, there's healing, there's restoration. But he said, don't fool yourself if you stay in that lifestyle. He goes on to say this, Paul continues, he look, you say... And again, he's talking to the people in the city, a port city like our city. Look what he said. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. Even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. Remember the saying? This is true though. Someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that, you're, you're, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. 
They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. One more. Another city called Colossus. He's talking to the Christians there. He says this. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater. Worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to, used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now, but God, is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Come on, are you getting this? God loves his people. His desire is to bless us. To live lives filled with life. And I want to end here today by bringing us back to the new normal. The new normal is this. In Corinthians again, going back to these people, he said, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has become. Church, I pray you understand. There is a distinction between your old life and your new life. If there's no distinction, then there's no new life. Right? If we're still trying to think we're good people, we, we just need a little adjustment, and, and you know, if I just do a little bit more. Listen, Christianity is not about you. It's about what Christ has done for you to make you a new person. And I want to emphasize the language used to. Used to. We all used to something. But the, that's the old you. The new has come. There's forgiveness. There's healing. There's restoration. But better yet, there's transformation. Not all guilt is bad. If it leads to change. If it leads to healing. We live in a society that would rather justify their sins. Than to repent of their sins. We'd rather make all the reasons, all the excuses in the world of why we're, we're fine and why we're doing okay as opposed to surrendering and saying, God, transform me from the inside. I want to be this new person that you created me to be. I want to have the right heart, the right perspective, the right approach in life. Because we all used to, I was saved at 20 years old. And you know, I was talking to my pastor last night because I run everything by him. We're talking about this. He said, what you need to tell the church is that anything before Jesus was horrible. He says, I don't talk about my life before Jesus because what's there to talk about? He said, you hear some people brag about it. Yo, I used to do this. Like, you used to worship the devil. Why would you celebrate any of that? Well, hey, nothing before Jesus matters. It's all darkness. And I don't want my children to know what I used to do. I want them to know what I do now and what I am about now. And so I gave my life to Christ at the age of 20. And one of the first scriptures that he brought me to was Ephesians 5.3. He says, not even a hint. And I took that very seriously. And abstained and got married at the age of 27. And I'm so thankful for the legacy we create now because the old is gone. The new has come. It's a new day for all of us. And as I end, I want to tell you again, we're not, we may not be there yet, but we're on our way. The desire of our hearts here is to not to condemn anyone. It's to not judge anyone. 
but it's to elevate our standards to God's will and God's purpose for our lives. You guys can come up. I want to, I want to pray that. Listen, that song was so prophetic, so powerful. I want to go back to that song we just did in church. I want to pray this morning that you allow the Holy Spirit to transform you, to heal you perhaps, to restore you. But I pray that there's a distinction between our old self and our new self. That we can enjoy being sexual beings because God created us that way and he has a purpose and a plan for it. And that his plan is to prosper his people. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. Would you lift your hands to the Lord as a sign of I'm open. I want to surrender. I want to be yours. Spirit of Jesus, come. God, you, only you know every heart in this place. Father, only you know the brokenness that this lifestyle has brought to many of us. I pray today is a day of healing, Lord. A day of forgiveness. A day of transformation. A day that we can say the old is gone. The new has come. Spirit of God, come. Come purify our hearts from any types of lust. Purify our eyes, Lord. Our eyes are the windows to our soul. Let it be pure. Let it be holy. God, purify our mouth. Let our, let, our, let our language be a one to bless. Purify our hands, Lord. Spirit of Jesus, come. Have your way with us, Lord. Thank you for listening. I hope that did encourage you, and then you can share it with someone who needs to hear from God. And we hope to see you soon. God bless.